This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, what I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. story, huh? Okay. They all have on their high horse like equestrians. A lifetime ago, we used to be the best of friends, but things change. Now I'm feeling stressed again. I got my sword leveled up. Now let the quest begin. They all have on their high horse like equestrians. A lifetime ago, we used to be the best of friends, but things change. Now I'm feeling stressed again. I got my sword leveled up. Now let the quest begin. I was born in the sewage of the slums. In wartime, sought peace, but no one ever knew if it would come. We were war buddies, working on the same team. With the same goal, but with slightly different means when he hit the scene. He command- Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Journal of My Life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Dak Xavier Josiah, and what you are listening to right now is an album from Mega Rand and Game Chops. The world's finest come together and collide with what is called black materia the remix this is an album that has been long awaited by fans of both of these guys and the collaboration came based upon their fandom for final fantasy 7 and now that the remake is out they wanted to do a remake of the album they came out there was a black materia album prior to but now you know in celebration of the remake they decided to do their own so basically what you're hearing right now is songs based on the story of Final Fantasy, and they kind of do a retelling. If you, honestly, if you're a fan of hip hop, and you kind of a fan of Final Fantasy VII, but don't exactly know what is going on, 
this album easily tells you this is like cliff notes <laughs> for those who don't totally understand what's going on in the world of final fantasy 7 and i love it and it they take it on in sort of a hamilton approach so like if you know the story of final fantasy 7 they take you through this journey in their own way in the same fashion that hamilton does and i told i told mega i text mega and uh dj Cutman, who both were collaborating with this album and i'm like you guys can absolutely do this in a sense of turning this into some sort of a playwright the same way that hamilton did and i would love to see a final fantasy 7 version of a broadway play done in hamilton form i would love to see that like i'm hoping that down the line that they uh they do something of that nature i mean like if anybody can do it it's dj Cupman, game chops and mega ran i i can i can see this happening post covid of course so um you know keep that in mind you too that will be awesome but definitely it's out now you could go to Bandcamp. you could go to uh megaran.com you could go to gamechops.com and get your copy of this it is an awesome awesome uh collaboration of these two uh i love it i love it and again once again i'm very grateful to be in the path of both of these guys in my own journey and be able to get such great works of art like this so you know keep supporting the arts keep supporting music keep supporting all things anime comics movies and games on that fashion but in terms of the show we got a lot of news to talk about and then on our talk topic today i decided to check out infinity force the series and the movie i'm gonna just review all of it because you can't review one without the other because they both connect and if you don't know what infinity force is infinity force is an anime a cgi anime series uh i would say ova at best which is if you don't if a lot of you new age otaku don't know because they don't make ovas anymore so to speak it's original video animation and basically they were like short mini series of anime tv shows like ramna one have had one uh back in the day um tenchi muyo had one back in the day uh quite a bit of others they would have a tv series but then they would have these specials and then the specials the the miniseries versions of these shows were done in, in, in a more updated improved form of animation like everything was like if you watch the ramna one half anime series and then you watch the ova you notice that the ova's animation and quality has stepped up majorly it looks awesome so um definitely we're gonna check this out because if you're a fan of the tatsunoku production such as gotcha man and kashin and uh Tekka man and you know all those others you're gonna love this and trust me if you're a gotcha man fan you're gonna be blown away about what i'm going to be talking about so if you haven't seen it stay tuned for that we're going to talk about it all but we also have a lot of news to talk about in the world of our favorite fandom so let's not waste any more time let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg
All right, folks, to start this session off, I want to give my thoughts on the movie The Little Things, which uh, just premiered on HBO Max and in theaters. It's one of the lineup of movies that is coming out for HBO Max on behalf of Warner Brothers. And this one stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. This is actually a crime thriller. Um, this is something that I normally don't talk about on this show. We I normally talk about, you know, more fandom-like things that are connected to comic books or anime or whatnot or video games or whatnot you know i part of acmg is movies and that doesn't just that doesn't like separate what kind of movie i watch here but i got a chance to see it i wonder if you know a lot of you guys this is not for kids by the way if any kids are listening to this this is a uh, a very sophisticated uh crime thriller and my thoughts on this i really liked it denzel washington of course i'm a big fan of uh rami malik i'm is one of the people that I'm starting to discover. I never watch um, Mr. Robot on the uh, USA when it was out, or was it sci-fi? See, I never watched it, um, but I heard it was awesome. I heard it was awesome. Jared Leto, uh, of course, I am a fan of, not like as much as Denzel, but you know, I've seen other projects with him, and he's done pretty well. I actually, let's, I'll, I'll be honest, he wasn't the best Joker in the world, but he did what he could do for what he was doing. I, you know, I won't fault him for that, but, um, this movie, he kind of revitalizes himself. Jared Leto, Jared Leto as the Joker to me was George Clooney as Batman when that came out. And I t it totally at the time tarnished my thoughts of them. And then they did other films and I became a complete, like, uh, when, when I saw the movie brother, where art thou with George Clooney, I became a complete fan of his after that point. Uh, it, it totally redeemed himself. I think the little things for me redeemed uh, my fandom for Jared Leto because I thought he did a fantastic job in this movie playing this very creepy dude who was suspected of all these murders the of, of females along the way. You got Denzel Washington who's playing this um, detective who is just out of lost i mean he's way way too deep into what's going on with this crime murder that never got solved back in the day and then you got uh, rami malik who's supposed to be the straight man detective of this whole thing with you know all morals and values and such like that uh he won't go and you know to do the dirty work that dentel is willing to do to you know he went he's not going to go that deep he's trying to keep his morality and composure and 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 uh ethics with him denzel goes so deep that he actually you know he had heart failure and you know he had to step back a bit but upon this new this, this new the case you know be being revitalized he's coming back and rami knows about him and they know how good he is but he's too good rami decides that he uh, rami's character i should say decides that he wants to work with him because he thinks he will be a great asset to finding who actually killed this guy which they suspect is gerald Le uh, leto's character if you haven't watched this right now i'm going to say fast forward because i am going to spoil this right now uh the because there was a major twist in this and this movie for many of us felt like this was going to the in the same route that seven did with morgan freeman and brad pitt and it felt like it was getting to that that the nature of that it was felt like it was going into the actual narrative and direction of that but then they did a 180 here <laughs> and they did this scene where it felt like it was going in the same direction as seven 
And if any of you ever watched Seven, you know what happened at the end. There were, unfortunately, um, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. Um, In this case, there was no box, but there was almost a scene where Jared Leto led, you know, uh, Rami Malek's character onto this ditch, this, this, this landfill or whatever this hell, this, you know, deserted area where he was trying to tell him where the body of this, you know, woman who was suspected to be missing and murdered is at. And Jared Leto, Leto's character was creepy as all hell. He, he, it was like, you know, he did it, but you had to find out how he did it. And until he, until you do, you will, he can't be convicted but he's confident he's he's cynical he's um he's a sociopath i mean literally a freaking sociopath in here not being worried he knows all of his rights he, he's in full control of himself and they get to this ditch and malik's character you know decides to dig the area where leto's character claimed that he was and <laughs> All of a sudden, he says, he he keeps antagonizing him and saying, like, this is not where it is. This is not the place. This is, it's over here. This man is digging in, like, constantly different places. But then, Leto, and his crazy ass, I should really be saying their actual role names. Or the names of their uh, fictitious characters, I should say. But Leto's character decides that he wants to mention Malik's kids and his wife and i'm like okay here is the seven part and we thinking that they're going in this direction but in a twist of narrative rami malik's character basically hit him with the shovel and it's not like you just hit him to the point that you knocked him out unconscious he hit him so hard so fast the dude's dead. And I'm thinking, okay, he could have just knocked him unconscious. He could have just hit him with, you know, broke his jaw, you know, maybe concussed him, maybe. No, he killed him. And and when he did that, unfortunately, he did not. He lost every opportunity to find out whether this guy really did it, which we all kind of known he did. And they took the, they, they, they literally took it away from us. The opportunity for justice. They took the, they took away the, the opportunity for closure. It, and in some cases, there's a part of me that hates this. There's another part of me that respects this because they will never get that opportunity. And every once in a while, you get these movies that are greatly written like this. I mean, I am, I passionately hate this, but in, in hindsight of that, I love this because they want me to hate this. The writers want me to hate this. They want the audience to hate this. We never get this closure. And guess what? The even sadder part is that this is more realistic than anything because this is what's happening right now in the world where we got cops who are doing some underhanded things. We also find out and Denzel Washington's character is deeply disturbed that he is, you know, he has a past. He made some mistakes in his past and they swept it under the rug. He killed somebody, mistakenly killed somebody, and they swept it under the rug. Now, Malik is in that same, that exact same realm. I, I mean, I want to hate this for real and say this is, this is crap. 
I respect it. I res- I may not like the way to hit it because I want justice. And I think that a lot of it stems from my real world feeling about how cops are handling things right now. And instead of doing things the right way, they let their emotions get up, get the best of them and they react to those emotions. This also plays on a lot of the mental health issues that cops are having today. And this is the part where I respect it because this is what's happening. This is exactly the things that are being told in real life. This is what's happening to my community. So with that said, you know, we don't get to justice, you know, and it, and it you know, just like Denzel, now uh, Rami Malek's character is disturbed by the idea that he killed the guy that he could have, he could have uh, found out that he was the guy murder. Now, granted, Jared Leto's character intimidated him in the sense of saying and threatening his, you know, kids and, and his wife. In some, a lot of cases, it is warranted that he deserved what he got. But the law permits us to say that regardless, he, you know, cops need to stay in control. It goes to show how much cops still fear, even with a gun, even with everything. They still have fear and they need they don't they need to understand how to control that fear if cops don't fear then they don't have a need to want to use force like they did in here or even in real life so to that extent as much as i didn't like it i respect it and therefore i still consider this a fantastic movie the performances of all three of the main characters here were awesome um rami malik also is probably like the young guy in and i thought he held up well with these two veterans i thought he did really well so go out of your way to check this out here's the thing if you're a wrestling fan i will give you a wrestling analogy to why (laughs) this pissed me off and i'll give you a wrestling analogy let's say you have uh wrestling fans will know this kenny omega versus ray phoenix we just saw this match it was an awesome match one of the best matches of the year so far and it, it we got a finish from there we got a we got actual finish or we got a conclusion i should say because you know a lot of people are maybe not be wrestling fans is listening right now you got a conclusion you got a conclusive finish imagine if you had a match that great and all of a sudden the babyface or good guy which is ray phoenix in this case you know you get this five-star match and all of a sudden he uses a forearm object because Kenny Omega, you know, antagonizes him so much that he ends up using, a, you know, a chair and hits Kenny Omega with it, get, get, making him, getting him, disqual- Ray Phoenix, disqualified for that match. This match was going to be a perfect five-star match. And then all of a sudden, he screws it up by hitting him with a chair. That's what the little things has done. Exactly. You had this great storyline. You had this great story being told. And then all of a sudden, boom, you don't get to win. You don't get to see the the, uh, win that you wanted to see. But it was still a great match along the way. That's exactly what they did here. So (laughs) wrestling fans understand that. That's the way I can put it as far as uh, what I thought about this film. But nonetheless, this was still a great movie. Um, Go out of your way to check it out. If you have HBO Max, it's free. If you're in theaters, what the hell are you doing? Go to get HBO Max because you shouldn't be in theaters right now, to be honest. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. But 
HBO Max is coming out with this along with many others. They are advertising uh, Kong versus uh, Godzilla, which looks awesome. They got Tom and Jerry, which is weirding me out because they're doing that same thing that the Smurfs has done and all the stuff. And Mortal Kombat's coming soon. And a host of many, many others coming down all through this year. So, you know, check that out and get ready for that. Um, so, the other thing I wanted to talk about here is uh, good old Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is joining the cast of Borderline, uh, Borderlands movie. Uh, it's just been announced. Hart is set to play the character Roland in the movie, who is known to be a character of the first two games and was characterized as a as a mercenary turned. Uh, I'm sorry, as an ex-soldier turned mercenary. Hart will accompany Kate Blanchett, who is set to play the thief Lilith as well. Um, still no word on who uh, who else is going to be in there, but um, what is known is uh, it's being directed by Craig Mason of HBO's uh, Chernobyl and the upcoming Last of Us miniseries, which is also in the works for HBO as well. I have never had the desire to play Borderlands, but you know, I love when games become so popular that they spawn a movie or TV series or whatever, because it gives me an opportunity to see whether I want to play this game, see what all the fuss is about. You know, you know, projects like these are great because they make casual fans become hardcore if it's done right. So I'm looking forward to this. And it looks like, all right, if Kevin Hart's going to be in there, there's absolutely going to be some comedy in here. So I have yet to see Kevin. Well, actually, that's not true. I was about to say I have yet to see Kevin Hart in a um, in a drama. No, that's not true. I just saw him with... Um, which oh god what's his name uh walter white uh it was a movie i saw ages ago with him um walter white i'm looking this up now i just forgot the actor um i'm so stupid brian cranton for god's sakes i feel i feel like a dumbass right now but um yeah he did that movie uh with the with brian cranston which i really 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 absolutely loved um a lot so um he can do drama or action he does action all the time but drama um he's done a few times he's done pretty good but i'm gonna assume that this is definitely gonna be a comedy there's or it's gonna have some comedy aspect to it so i think borderlands itself is has a bit of a comedy pitch to it as well so uh it'll be interesting i'm looking forward to that Speaking of HBO, you know what else I'm looking forward to is Justice League The Snyder Cut, which is coming officially on March 18th. Director Zack Snyder posted and announced on Twitter showing three awesome monochrome posters showing the release date and of this much anticipated showing. One of the posters paid homage to the... uh, death of superman comic cover that we all love uh which has the flag but instead of having superman's cape it has the justice league uh logo on there as well it it it, for those who don't know will be an extended uncut version about four hours which is being made into a multi-part series due uh to its four hour long storyline so i I believe it's going to be an hour each but he did uh zack snyder did talk about actually you know merging them all together to make one full movie down the line so we'll see uh i'm I'm looking forward to this because everybody's chomping at the bits to see um what exactly this is going to entail and how different is this from the uh josh whedon version and it's it's just that story that that backstory between whedon and the cast and um 
and, and Snyder is interesting because at first, you know, when we found out that Zack Snyder's um, had a tragedy in his family and he stepped down during the filming of this and Josh Whedon came back, we it was believed that we all thought that Josh Whedon came in to help him. And, you know, Josh Whedon asked this to happen. And that was the way it was portrayed. That was the narrative of that. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting all this from the actor who plays Cyborg and all in other comments from everybody about the Josh Whedon version and stuff like that. And it's just crazy. So now we'll see if the, the Snyder version lives up to all the situ to what everybody's talking about with the original, with the first version that came out, I should say, because um, everybody's claiming that this is the original. That's coming out soon. So, all right, last bit of news, and this is a big one. We're going to talk about what just happened on episode four of WandaVision. <laughs> Things have stepped up majorly. Oh, my goodness. I, I tell you, this is the episode where you start to realize where that $200 million plus budget came in because the CGI started kicking in. The storytelling started kicking Everything started kicking in here. It, it's just amazing. I, I got a lot of notes here to go back, so bear with me. The episode starts with a, the flashback showing Monica coming back from being snapped out of reality thanks to Thanos and the events of Infinity War, or the blip as what the kids have called it and become a trendy name for, the, um, for their cinematic universe. Um... Monica appears at the hospital where she was last seen with her mother, Maria Rambo, best friend of Carol Denvers, who we saw in Captain Marvel's movie, who was recovering from from a cancer operation. However, in the middle of a chaotic scene in the hospital, as other victims of Thanos reappeared, thanks to Tony snapping them all back, Monica was informed by her doctor who cared for her mother that the cancer came back and the res uh, and as a result, her mother has passed away three years ago within the five years that Monica and half the universe disappeared. In this episode, we finally see SWORD in full form, uh, as well as the acronym for what it stands for, which is Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division, uh, which is slightly different from what the comic books usually call it. But uh, it is, in fact, that's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe version is calling it. We also learned that Monica is a captain of S.W.O.R.D. Uh, in the S.W.O.R.D. division as she returns to discover that her friend, that her old friend, Agent Tyler Hayward, has been promoted to acting director during this time. Uh, we were also told that it was her mother who was one of the founders of S.W.O.R.D. Uh, she, I, I don't. This is going to be interesting how this was formed because I wonder if Carol Danvers also had a play in this as well. So um, Maria Rambeau is pretty much the uh, agent Peggy Carter of the 90s in this case. So it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome that she was there. And, and there's a, they also showed a picture of her uh, in there in, in tribute call, and with, with the uh, code name. Photon, which in fact in the comics is the name of Monica Rambeau. It was one of the names that she took on. So that was awesome. A little uh, play to that. And who knows what that's going to lead into. I want to take note too that um, there are many out there in the media world that is suspecting Tyler Hayward may be connected to or related 
to another character that was seen on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by the name of Brian Hayward, uh, who you've seen on uh, season one, as one of the super soldiers created during the Centipede Project uh, in the first season. This... And in that season, however, it was mentioned that Brian had a sister, not a brother. So it could be coincidence or he could be in some other relation of some sort. So could be cousin, could be uncle. Who knows? We'll, we will. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe not. But maybe that could have just been a little wink, wink or something of that nature. Because remember, we saw uh, Agent Sosa uh, in the events of the battle of new york and then we see him on you know in the 50s or something like that in peggy carter and then he's being transferred to the future and ends up joining the ages of shield so who knows what the hell's going on in that note <laughs> the episode then takes monica to an investi- to investigate a town called westview in new jersey which from what the sheriff of that area explained it doesn't exist because he said so because he lives in eastview and he's lived there for all his life. There's never been a Westview ever. There are weird anomalies occurring within that region. Uh, when she arrives, she meets up with none other than Randall Park, returning in his role as Agent Wu, who uh, who appears, who first appeared, I should say, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And uh, I love Randall Park. I love um, him on everything he does from Fresh Off the Boat and all the other things he's involved in. He's terrific uh, actor um terrific comedic actor i should say too we also uh see that Wu finally was able to master the trick that he saw scott lang do in the movie as well so that was pretty awesome little it's the part i love about marvel studios they reward you they reward you with patience they reward you with consistency you know we need more of this i don't understand why other people or other companies don't do this it's they reward you so much and they give you so much to want to ponder that's why it's all those people who were like impatient about what was going on in this series because they wanted to see more action no you're going to get rewarded in some form of fashion and you do with every little sense of details like this stuff they always have you wondering and, and, and detecting certain things. It's just awesome. Uh, Agent Wu and Monica investigate the outskirts of the area as Wu has a gut feeling that something is not right about this town, which we learn is surrounded by an invisible barrier. Monica uses a drone that which significantly bears the colors of Captain Marvel on here to go into Westfield's um, the field. We then see the drone suddenly disappear into the barrier. Monica becomes curious, realizes that there's an energy around the barrier, only to be sucked in once she touches it. We later uh, notice that Sword. We later see Sword uh, try to fix the situation in, in search for Monica. They need a specialist to find out more about the anomaly in Westview, and requires the help of many scientists. One of which is Doctor. Darcy Lewis. Yes, Darcy Lewis, once again played by Kat Denning, who we first who we uh, last seen in the first two Thor movies and working with uh what was the name? Um Jane Foster. You know, she was the intern for Jane Foster. Now she is her own she she's earned her doctorate and she is now a scientist in astrophysics, now capable of handling her own research. And I this is again rewarded with you know, story, you know, consistent uh, storytelling here. She was the intern of Kate Foster, of Jane Foster, I should say, um, in, in the first two movies. And now we were like years ahead. She is now great. And you know what's funny? I didn't 
know if she we didn't really get an idea of you know she was interning but we didn't know if she was going to take it seriously we see a much more evolved version of darcy lewis's character in here she's way more intuitive she knows exactly what she's doing she has had experience based upon what she's worked with jane and being around thor and all the in the professor as well and now she's doing her own thing she can handle her own stuff and i love that they have even character development for even the minor characters in the universe because they make them feel more important that way awesome awesome storytelling here so we later discover that it was her who was watching wanda and uh vision on the tv in the first two episodes at the very end because everything leads up to this this is still the flashback here happening we also find out that some of the characters in wanda's world are actual people in real life that have been sucked into westview given different identities including monica we also realize that uh the man behind the beehive outfit is in fact a sword agent sent in by director hayward to find monica uh and whatever else is going on in this mysterious town he goes down the tunnel wearing a hazmat suit but upon crossing the barrier the hazmat suit becomes a beehive suit with bees swarming all over him and we figure out that he is the one coming out of the sewers in the 1950 sitcom episode which led to uh, the rewinding uh of the episode to the scene where wanda and viz uh talks about her being pregnant out of nowhere so meanwhile darcy detects an energy frequency that leads them into seeing wanda and vision in a 1950s sitcom as they uh, watch from an old school tv darcy recognizes that vision is with wanda and acknowledges that he was killed after the events of infinity war by thanos and is very confused as to why he is with wanda after research and this is when she says that that's when you start to know things aren't what they seem and um you know everything starts to your mind starts to develop as you start to hear these things and hear them say this and things develop after researching and finding the true identities of other characters um oh i've already said that part Uh, but i do want to note upon this little note that i had to repeat they found all of the identities of every character but they didn't mention the identity of agnes and this situation right here still picking up i spoke about on previous episodes how i did not trust this character at all and this character is going to keep reoccurring in different formats and this has started to get even more suspicious i I don't think it was coincidence i don't think it was a a a error on their behalf of not mentioning agnes i think she is going to be leading up to something and there's a lot of speculation from a lot of people i mentioned last time a lot of people are mentioning mephisto because she is kind of one of the sworn enemies of scarlet witch this is going to be interesting this is going to be interesting where that character goes darcy and Wu come up with an idea to communicate with wanda uh by using a device that is transmitting airwaves into the town of westview so we discover that the person who was calling Wanda in the first two episodes was in fact Agent Wu and not Hawkeye. Damn it. (laughs) I was hoping. Uh, Darcy and Wu begin to bond a bit while they're watching the episodes because it is in a sitcom form. So, you know, there's a whole story narrative. They play to the formulaic ways of the old 50s and 60s um, TV shows. So they're just like having a 
they're being entertained while still trying to figure out what the hell is going on. But by doing so, they're also like connecting with each other as well. They're talking. Uh, Agent Wu was talking about having kids and they want to be FBI and all the stuff. And it was a really cute moment. It kind of led you to think like, oh, are they going to be an are are those two going to be an item of sorts by the time this is over? Um, they then view the scene where Monica mentions Ultron which we saw last episode uh to which wanda uh asked if uh i'm sorry they uh what was it what was it what was it uh, darcy asked if they ever uh seen anybody reference something from the real world uh to which they said no they have not or i believe that was um Wu who asked that question and darcy said they were not while they were watching the scene they noticed that for a second time there was a glitch or an edit in the episode, which when she asked about when uh, Wanda asked Monica about how she knew about Ultron, it then cut immediately to the credits and they were both weirded out by the fact they rewound it, didn't understand what was going on, couldn't catch it. So things again, things started to pick it up it, it, things are starting to develop more now here and getting a lot more weirder here in this episode uh it's 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 crazy it it just becomes it gets so crazy here while they're watching glitching episode they uh also hear an alarm which goes off in the sore bunker and the two head out so while they're heading out we then see what happens during the edit scene that agent Wu and darcy didn't see this is one of my favorite parts here because again the aspect ratio of the screen once again goes from old school 4-3 uh, ratio to the letterbox, you know, seen in some movies from like back in the day. You don't do letterbox as much anymore because everything's on a 16-9 ratio for HD and 4K TVs now. But it was awesome to see that uh, that transition to it. It's, it's really cool. And I'm still saying that couldn't have cost over $200 million just to do that. But... Wanda felt threatened by Monica and sends her flying through walls out of Westview. Like just well, notice I noticed too. It's like, how could she survive this? If you notice that, you know, she didn't necessarily kill her because she had all of her hex energy around her, which probably, you know, took most of the blunt of the force of her going through the walls. So you see Monica shooting out of uh, Westview. Sword members find her just as we did in the last episode. Wanda then uses the, her hex powers to repair. And by the way, they don't call it hex powers, but in the comics, they're known as hex powers. Um, Wanda then uses her hex powers to repair the damaged walls uh, just before Vision comes in asking where Monica went. Wanda told Vision she had to leave. As Wanda turns around, she sees Vision in the way he was seen when Thanos killed her with the damaged forehead that was once uh, that once had the Soul Stone in it. That was creepy as hell. And you, every, everybody remember that scene. It's like he went Optimus Prime, Prime Gray and his eyes dilated to just plain white. And it was creepy as hell. And it was even more creepier now because you say it's like the Death of Optimus Prime episode on Transformers. <laughs> Wanda refuses... Um, you know, well, Vision first is worried about Wanda and tells her that they can move away from here. Wanda refuses, saying that this is their home and she has every uh, everything in control. It was at that point 
that you kind of had a hint that Wanda is the one controlling all of this, that she is the one responsible for all of this. When uh, we then go back to Monica, still on the ground after being thrown out uh, by Wanda, the paramedics help her. Agent Wu and Darcy comes around and checks on her, asks her if she's okay. Wanda wakes up. And, uh, Monica, I'm sorry, asks Monica whether she's okay. And Wanda's uh, being, uh, Monica's being helped by the paramedics, I should say. My apologies. Um, Monica then says, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. As we learned that Wanda is the one behind this all. Wanda Maximoff is the main antagonist of this show so far. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. So we uh, we see Wanda with the kids in vision as they uh, sit down on it in the couch with the kids. And as she does this, we then hear of all things, Jimi Hendrix legendary classic voodoo child, which is perfect for this situation. This was awesome. And that's how the show ends as they sit down, you know, watch TV with the kids happily ever after. And that's how the uh, episode ends. My God, this was by far the best episode to date. This made everything that you saw beforehand made sense. To those who are impatient and quick to judge, shut the hell up. This is what you get. And now you probably won't even admit that this was all makes sense and it is worth watching. This, I love it. And by the way, Voodoo Child was a song for wrestling fans most synonymous with one Hulk, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, or I, who I like to call racist Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I know I, I denounced this song for him. This is officially Wanda Maximoff's song. This is the song of the Scarlet Witch, officially. Voodoo Child is perfect. It is awesome. I, kudos to the person who directed this. I got to find out who directed this episode, or all the episodes, because they've been fantastic. They have just been awesome. So, man, if you haven't been watching WandaVision yet, you are sleeping on it. If you, you can't not call yourself a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel in general if you're not watching this uh, show. We got five more episodes left, and my goodness, oh, what can possibly happen at this point? Who could be coming along? This is all supposed to be connected. Take note to Doctor Strange. Is Agnes actually Mephisto? Is Mephisto available? We don't, anything can happen. I've been wrong, I think, at least twice so far in my predictions of this. It's anybody's game at this point. I don't think anybody is going to be able to figure out what's going to happen next with this. I am just enjoying every minute of it. I this is one of those one of those shows where I am I, I don't care about being wrong. I care about being entertained. So if I'm wrong, that means good. They did a great job making it suspenseful, and the payoff is work is going great so far. So. Ah, gotta love it, gotta love it. Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're gonna take a break, come back, and when I do, you gotta sit tight and stick around, uh, otaku and anime fans, for my review of Infinity Wars. If you're a Tatsunoku Productions fan, stay tuned for this. You won't 
want to miss this. We'll find out more after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon, and in the name of the moon, you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! All right, folks, welcome back to our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of Infinity Force, both the series and the movie. Uh, I had a chance to check out... Well, I actually watched this series when it first came out uh, a few years ago on Tubi, and it's... I believe it's still available on Tubi. If you don't know what Tubi is, Tubi is a free streaming app that has a bunch of movies and uh, some, and uh, actually a pretty considerate library of anime on there and other uh, shows that we haven't seen in a long time. Some shows that you won't see on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Some of them you will see on there, but what they do have is some exclusivity in terms of uh, anime. And when they first came out, they were promoting Infinity Force as one of the exclusives that they had for the uh, for that app. Um, the other one was, who was it? Uh, Tiger Mask W, which is based around the, character, the uh, wrestling character from New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, Wrestling Legend for that matter. And they were the only ones to have it at the time. Now they're selling it on Blu-ray, on digital, and they've now added the English dub to it. So now a lot of your favorite English uh, actors, English dubbed actors, I should say, are a part of this project. And they did a really great job with this, as always. I mean, you got Johnny Young Bosch and Hare, who's the voice of a lot of people. He's also the Black Ranger. Uh, he's Ichigo Kurosaki on bleach he's um what else is he uh nero on devil may cry four and five i mean he's done a ton of great and he actually he's the new brawly too on dragon ball he took over for when uh vic Mignana uh had to unfortunately step down from that role and many others so he he took over that as well so he in here is playing the one and only legendary uh ken the eagle from gotcha man and before I even go too much forward, this the series is based on a manga that was made. Uh, it was published by Hero Inc. It was uh, also uh, published in English from Udon Entertainment. Shout out to my people out there and uh, Heroes Monthly magazine. This, if you are a fan of the Tatsunoku Production Company, and if you don't know who that is, first of all, you may be a new age anime fan and not as hardcore as you think. Because if you know what Tatsunoku is, you know that these guys are a legend. This company, this production company, has been responsible for coming out with some of the most iconic and legendary anime 
manga and uh, TV shows of a generation. Matter of fact, when they first came out with their characters, the term anime did, wasn't even adopted. It wasn't even created because they were around in the 1970s. So they are responsible for the ones who created Science Ninja Team. Gotcha, man. Uh, Kashan, uh, Hurricane Palamon, Tekaman, the Space Knight, and many more. Well, because I mentioned those four, they decided to create a crossover series that involves many of those main characters and bring them together to create some, you know, major like Avengers super team and some sort of a crisis on infinite earth type of storyline. This is awesome. This was a awesome series. I'm going to just say it off the bat. Um, I, what I loved about this series is that it brought me back to what I loved about anime and it celebrated what made anime or what pioneered it in a sense. And, you know, this was a com uh, commemorating the 55th anniversary of it at the time. And it's probably like 59th anniversary at this point, but because it's been out since uh, 2015 and then the, the TV series came out on October 17th and the movie came out in February of 2018. And, and now it's on English. It's uh, been revamped for English for us uh, who love that ADR feel. <laughs> so let me get to the plot of this because it's it's crazy. And I mentioned Crisis on Infinite Earth and it plays. This is like their version of Crisis on Infinite Earth. This is how the crossover thing happens. Because normally you would never see Gatchaman. Or for those who, you know, from back in the day, Gatchaman was also known in America as Battle of the Planets as well. So which is the TV series that used to come on uh, our stations and the local stations back then when it was only three channels, three, six, you know, ABC, NBC, uh, and CBS. There was no HBO, Showtime, Max, any of that stuff. It was just, we had three channels. We were as, you know, archaic and paleolithic as ever in terms of TV at the time. And then you had the UHF channels as well. Uh, so, the you know, the plot of this, basically, and I'll, re I'll read the plot, off of what Wikipedia have, and then I'll play, I'll piggyback off it because there's more to it. Um, it all involves a girl named Emmy who is a 17-year-old girl living in Tokyo. Her father is always uh, work, always with work, and she is listless. In other words, she is basically kind of an introvert, uh, kind of a kind of bit depressed you know daunting isolated that type of you know that type of vibe like nothing matters to her because of her loneliness take note that her name emmy which is spelled e-m-i in japan and in, in some uh cases means laughter or smile so that kind of plays into her character uh suddenly a twist of fate involving a certain magical item changes everything a mysterious pencil which they call a case for some reason i don't know why uh because there's no pencil case involved it's just a pencil that they call a case of all things uh is linked to the appearance of heroes from another world could this be the start of the excitement she's uh so desperately craving or is this something more and indeed it is because what this really involved and what the plot on Wikipedia doesn't really tell you is that there's a, a, a evil force behind this in the form of a man named Z. Z is a guy who's going around and discovering parallel worlds and destroying them. 
he is doing a lot of research. He's a scientist. And upon uh, the discoveries of the parallel uh, worlds, he's destroying them for his own means. What that means is it's his own daughter, which just happens to be Emmy. Z is Emmy's father. And what basically is happening here is that he is destroying all these worlds due to an incident that happened when he was when uh, him and his daughter in another world uh, wind up in a terrible, tragic accident where Emmy died as a little kid. When we see Emmy, she's 17 years old. But in the world that Z was in, she was only a little kid. She never even got a chance to grow up to be 17. And this literally crushed him. This turned him into madness. And him being the researcher and the scientist himself, he decided that he found a way to find these parallel worlds and destroy them because he didn't want to. He found out, basically, I should say, that he found out that his daughter, his daughter's fate is virtually the same in every one of these parallel worlds. So in order to save her, he needed to help, you know, keep her captive. And how he did that was uh, he, he held her in a world where she could be safe, where he felt that he could be safe. So it was just she's in this sort of dimension where she's always going to be safe. In hindsight, it's actually her being held captive in jail while the other Emmys around these parallel universes are dying and he's destroying them because he doesn't want to see her die again. So he's doing all this for her protection when in fact she, she feels that it's being encapsulated. She doesn't understand why at first, but she learns down the line of what's going on. And that's why she's never she's always alone because he's constantly doing these things. Now, because all these worlds are being destroyed, uh, some of these worlds consist of Juji uh, Ken uh, Washio, Juji Manami, Takashi Yura, uh, Yuri, and Tetsuya Azuma. All of, all of which is Gachaman G1, it is Tekaman, it is Hurricane Palomar, and Kashan. All of these guys are your worlds are being destroyed, and somehow, some way, it all leads them to this world where Emmy lives. And they all managed to come together, and now they're fighting to fight against Z and his cohorts, which is Damian Gray, Bella Lynn, who's like a vampire, uh, and Raji Khan. All of these guys that, uh, that are teaming up with Z. So, all through these 12 episodes, this is a 12 episode OVA series. This is like, and this is what I love, it's old school. Again, if you're a new age anime fan, you don't know what OVA is. OVA is original video animation. That's what they used to call them uh, before. I don't know. You know why? I think the term just stopped. I haven't heard anybody ever say OVA anymore. But if you don't know, OVA is something that they used to do, you know, by, you know, in the 90s where they would have like a certain a short miniseries where it involves a rather a is based on a, a tv show version of the anime or it's just an original video animation of something but the animation was you know top quality it was done very done better than it was before i'll give you two examples one is uh ramna one half if you guys ever watched that series it used to be like one of the most popular series in in the 90s uh at the time is it's from the people who made any uh any asha in other words, because people were popular with that because of the new series as well. Uh, but Ramna One Half became so popular. It's, it um, also released movies uh, and then also an OVA, which the OVA 
was, it, you know, if you compare the OVA, the quality and the look of the OVA in terms of animation and, and character design to that of the series, it's, you know, it's a step up. And that's not taking anything away from the original series. The original series was always, you know, cool when it comes to animation and stuff. But the OVA version was always better. Tenchi Muyu also was a really good one as well. I thought they, you know, they did a really great job with the OVA. There was two versions of uh, Tenchi Muyu. There was the TV series version and then there was the OVA version. That kind of told two different stories as well. So, you know, they kind of take liberties with the OVA versions at times. But... They were always like short mini series versions of them, and this this is kind of what they did here. This is a short mini series uh, involving those four, and now you have all four of these characters that would never ever have met each other on normal circumstances because they all have their own worlds. Each one of these characters, Tekaman, uh, Gachaman, uh, Hurricane Palomar, and Kashan, have their own universes, their own worlds in which they have their own evil forces that they have to fight. They would never see the light of day until this anomaly that happened where that Z is creating by destroying every one of these worlds. And they're now, now their job is to try to work with Emmy to try because she has this new pencil case, uh, which believe it or not is actually uh, said to be her brother. <laughs> and Z's son that turned into a case um, has this this magic pencil has the ability to grant wishes and only a certain person can be the holder of this can actually do it Emmy is that person however because of her manic depressant or uh, how can I say this or her uh, introverted ways she doesn't care so she is not able to ignite the pencil at or the case at will or she won't because she just doesn't care. She doesn't see the, the purpose or value of life nor other lives as well at, at this time. So, you know, her and Ken constantly have a back and forth because Ken is 24 years old in this series um, and she's 17 years old. So he treats her like like her daughter. And she keeps calling him old man, even though he's only 24. It's a, it's a funny dynamic, those two. But I want to take note. If you're a Gotcha Man fan, you'll be surprised to know that why he's the only one out of the four. Gotcha Man is a team of science ninjas dressed up in different uh, bird forms, representing different bird forms. Kenneth the Eagle. There was also um, Joe the Condor. There's also other birds as well. There was a whole team of this. Apparently... They were a part of the destruction of their worlds, and Ken was the only one to survive as he was fighting Galactor, which is one of the main villains of Gotcha Man in there. So that's his situation. Uh, Tekka Man too. I watched. I used to watch Tekka Man in the '90s when it came out on uh, on TV as well, and you know he had his own form of enemies and and uh, and such as well. All of them did. Now the only time, other time that you've seen these guys cross over, and this is for you gamers out there, if you're a Nintendo Wii fan, was Tatsunoku versus capcom this was one of the most awesome crossover fighters that we may never get a chance to play ever again because for some reason capcom and nintendo are letting this uh, is letting this sit on the shelf this was a game that uh, involved a lot of the tatsunoku production uh you know uh characters involved with all the capcom characters and it came out for the Nintendo Wii long ago, and it was awesome. That's the only other time you got to see any of these characters to coming together like this. 
And this was, I think that's why, why I love this so much too. Not only just because the animation and the character design is so awesome. And in a, this is in 3d, uh, CG. And this is some of the best 3d CG anime I've ever seen. They did a great job with this and then to add on the voice acting and everything, which really worked really well with this. Just awesome. But you get a chance to, you know, see these guys, uh, fleshed out and, I, you know what's funny? Because this is a manga series, I still want to know if this is canon because a lot of the things that happens here and in the movie is just mind-blowing. Um, you're going to see a lot of great fight scenes. You're going to see a lot of great action. The pacing of this series is really well done. The character design is phenomenal. Just, I mean, just beautiful. I love some of the design work because when you watch those anime shows back in the day, you don't have that attention to detail. But when you look at like Ken's Eagle Gotcha Man suit, you could see how well detailed it is and how you know great um, the design work is on there. Polymars, all of them. It's just so well done. I really, really enjoy this. But you know, the pacing of the story throughout the whole entire thing, if you really pay attention to it, you could get lost kind of quick if you don't pay attention to this series. But you know, it gets fleshed out. You don't see what's going on at first and why. Or they don't tell you at first what happens, but you do figure out later on why this is happening and why he's doing what he's doing. So he's not, again, it's it, it's one of those, Z becomes one of those in the gray type of characters, but he's willing to do whatever he can to save his daughter. Meanwhile, Emmy is the type of person that wants to live her life. She's a very, I say that she's manic depressing and I say that she's an introvert, but at the same time, the other qualities that she has is that she's a very strong, independent girl. Uh, when she has a back and forth with Ken, because Ken is kind of outdated. He's a straight lace, old school type of guy, even though he's from the future. He is very chauvinistic. I want to say very chauvinistic, but he has chauvinistic personalities. And like there are times where he talks to her and reprimands her in a way that like you don't do that anymore. He says things that aren't really acceptable anymore in today's society and she addresses him every single time of that so i love how she does this like he when he assumes that she's you know she's gonna cook for all of them and she's like no what are you talking about nobody says nobody says things like that anymore go do it yourself and she had to she had to uh, come at him twice and really you know put him in his place and i love that so and it just shows because you know gotcha man is a old series so you got <laughs> you got this guy here who's from an old era and everything. It's, it's hilarious. But, you know, these guys wind up fighting with each uh fighting together and it's awesome. I um Ken, I love Joji. Uh is really cool too. Joji's kind of like the Donatello of the crew because he's a scientist and he's the one, you know, when he's not in the Tekaman suit, which by the way, to put on his suit he got. To, he has to go through a hell of a lot of uh, pain. They show the trans. You know, when they show the transformation on the original anime series, they never show him going through like having lasers being shot at him just to merge with the suit. He has scars all over his body in this damn thing, and I'm like, if that's what it takes to wear that suit to be a little bit more powerful, I don't know if I'm down with this. <laughs> but when he's not in his suit, he's an astronaut and he has an uh, understanding of how. Uh, how you know things work so he's pretty much these he's as much of the scientists of the group than anything he's a little bit probably one of the more smarter ones um 
you have Takeshi, who's uh, Hurricane Palomar. He's a detective, an agent. So, you know, at the beginning of the series, he ends up getting hired by Damon Gray and, you know, to do some research on Z. But Takeshi learns sooner, sooner or later that, you know, he has other intentions and that he's after Emmy to get the case for himself. So he can, you know, make his own wish and control and become more powerful. Whereas Z just wants it so Emmy can be safe, but he's willing to destroy all these, you know, errors to do it. Bella Lynn, who works with Z as well, she's just one of those, you know, bat crazy, literally, no pun intended, these bat crazy women who just happens to be a vampire and wants to, you know, absorb the genes of every person. Including Z. So, you know, he has his role gallery here. They got their role gallery. Um, Kashan, and on the other hand, is, you know, he's not he's not a real human. But he is also, um, if you watch any of the Kashan animes, uh, you know that he used to be a human. But he, he's kind of, he's pretty much Mega Man. I should, I, I just plain and simple. He, he's just, he's Mega Man. Um, real name, uh, you know, he was transformed into an android basically to fight against uh other ports uh, other androids and um who threaten the human race pretty much so you know he's kind of the like this he's kind of the straight lace he doesn't really have that much of a in terms of personality and such um because he's an android but he does have some human humanistic qualities in here as well but all these four these four legendary characters teaming up with emmy to fight z and them it, it turns out to be a absolutely awesome battle and you know of course they managed to, you know, get everything works out at the end, of course, but in such an epic way. The fight scenes, again, are beautifully done. I mean, if you talk about this celebrating the 55th anniversary of Tatsunoku, this really does celebrate it very well. And if you're a fan of any of these characters that I mentioned, you're going to love it. If you haven't seen this yet, you're going to absolutely love this. But I tell you this, you can't watch this without watching the movie because the movie connects and it, it transitions very well to what's going on the movie entitled farewell uh, farewell friend oh my goodness i was not expecting any of what i saw in this movie like it blew me away and this is the movie in this movie i question whether I, I hate to use this term but i think this is more appropriate for this particular situation i was wondering if this was in fact canon to the actual series of you know gotcha man and any other series that ever came out because this involves a twist like if you're a gotcha man fan you have to watch the movie first of all i don't recommend anybody watching the movie without watching the first 12 episodes because it all intertwines with each other now granted in the movie in farewell friend in infinity force farewell friend i should say it, 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 you know, gives you a 15 minute recap of everything that happened in the first 12 episodes leading up to what's about to happen here. It does a great job recapping everything, but I will say that you will, if you never saw the first 12 episodes, you're going to be confused about what the hell happened in there in its, in its totality. So it's best to just watch the first 12 episodes. And plus, it's just a really great uh, OVA miniseries. I just highly recommend it. But they recap for f the first 15 minutes of uh, Farewell Friend. And then it gets 
interesting because this movie basically involves Gotcha Man. And all you Gotcha Man fans out there, you're going to flip when you, when you see this movie. So this is interesting because, all right, I'll read the story off of the website here. And once again, I'll go off from that. At the end of the battle, and that, that means the last battle of the 12 episodes, Gotcha Man Ken, Tekaman Joji, Palomar Samurai, and Kashan, uh, Kashan Tetsuya, who's gotcha, uh, Kashan's real name, who uh, regained their worlds and returned to where they uh, should live, thanks to Emmy uh, wishing everything to come back. There is a world where the human enemy Galactor, who threatens peace, rages, and the science ninja team led by Gotchaman fights against it. So there and now, and this movie is based around the world of Gotchaman. However, a man appears in front of him who feels uncomfortable with the state of the world. It is Dr. Nambu. Now, I gotta explain, who's the founder of Science Ninja Team? I gotta explain about Dr. Nambu for those who don't, who've never watched, um, you know, Gotcha Man or Battle of the Planets. Dr. Nambu is the Professor X of Gotcha Man. He is the one who created the Science Ninja Team suits. He's the one who recruited every one of the team members to be in this. And he's the guy that, it, that has a, 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 a sort of a moral and ethical path to defeating Galactor because they were an alien threat trying to take over the world and Gotcha Man was the one team that was capable of beating these guys. Galactor is pretty much Hydra but I never understood this because I know the leader of Galactor has a name but they also called the leader of Galactor Galactor in the series but the leader Galactor had a way of disguising uh itself or themselves and i say themselves because maybe gotcha man was ahead of their time but this character was a bit of a flamboyant character in the sense that you didn't know if it was man or woman and they kept it really it was so the character was so mysterious it sounded female had a feminine personality but also a masculine personality as well so you never really got to see the real face of galactor nor know what it was because nor what they were because they were pretty much disguising themselves as anything and anybody but when you put them into the regular form you still didn't know because it was it, it just it was such a great thing it was like a i had this character is ahead of its time <laughs> in terms of uh you know character development and orientation or whatnot and uh it, it you know it was always 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 a threat to uh to, to the entire world of gotcha man so dr dambu was the one thing that stood in galactor's way but in this movie a lot has changed for one thing gotcha man with the exception of ken have all died so that was a big twist due to a certain due, due to uh situations that occurred you know and during a mission and this hurt this really crushed dr nambu almost in the same way that it crushed z when when emmy died as a kid this the same thing virtually happened to dr nambu and it changed him changed him so much that he started 
you know his his way now he was his his methods were always questioned because he a lot of times he would do things for the sake of science and whenever you have a scientist do things for the sake of science there becomes a gray area you know it's never for the sake of good it's never for the sake of bad for the sake of science it may not be for the best but it it is for the sake of science and sometimes his methods will be questioned now but it at but at the end of the day during the, the tv series or maybe even the manga it was never questioned in a way that he would ever become rogue not this time because dr nambu in this movie went full blast rogue even when ken found out what he was up to he shot ken you know it was just crazy so he wound up trying to take out um ken and didn't wind up you know creating his own agenda uh he had his own new science project that he's coming up with that will probably be better than what gotcha man has done with a new uh type of energy um you know sense of energy think you know um arc reactor i guess but it, it was just crazy um minami who turns to a suspicious expression on ken who should have known him tells the heroes unexpected words apparently you guys are the enemies and there was a shadow starting at the situation from the top of the building it is the number two of the science ninja team who continue to fight galactor with ken and his name is joe the condor so we find out in this movie that joe the condor somehow managed to stay alive not only is he is still alive uh, from from the events because they had a whole memorial for the gotcha for the uh, science ninja team at the same time um, But unbeknownst to any of them Joe was Joe was still alive for those who don't know Here's I can give a comparison to Joe Joe the condor is like the co-leader or second-in-command of gotcha man But here's the thing about him that if you never watched gotcha man before Before there was ever a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and before there was ever a Raphael like from the comic book turn sense and some of the recent you know uh you know cartoons or comics or whatever there was joe the condor joe the condor was the original hothead dude that would always go with the, he would go uh against the grain he would always go off on his own he's a loner he you know there were times he would he would just mess up the mission because he would go and do his own thing and the reason being is because galactor when he was young killed his parents and he's been in a vengeful you know tear to try to take out galactor and kill galactor ever since or take out anybody out his way he's pretty much the punisher in this case <laughs> with a science ninja suit on and uh, you know and if, if, if you watch the original series there's two versions of the original series with two different um results the american one here's the thing this was funny in in america battle of the planets joe's still alive because back in the 80s and the 70s there was no such thing as when it comes when it when it comes to cartoons you know i you know back then it was cartoons it was no anime the term anime didn't exist i want to repeat that back then when that animated series or cartoon came out in america you never saw anybody die no character ever dies no character ever gets shot no character ever gets stabbed there was none of that happening in the 90s because the the um fcc wasn't having it back then. the restrictions of that was way way stricter it was way tighter you would never see that in the 70s and 80s in terms of uh, animated series or cartoons that didn't have ratings of r and it was only a few 
animated projects that would have it um had that you know heavy metal and maybe some other ones fritz the cat something like that you would ever see do anything above what you see but you would those uh animated projects would be seen in theaters but if it was seen on regular tv on a national basis none of that you would never see that the, 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 the most violent you would see was tom and jerry <laughs> at the time or bugs buddy uh or or brainy smurf getting kicked out of the village that's as far as you went but in japan where they were considered more sophisticated and mature to handle this type of content joe the condor dies and he dies violently he goes out really bad <laughs> so it's it's really crazy that um you know he's still alive in this he manages to find the team and uh and ken and they also find out that Joe's working with this new agency who also wants to take Dr. Nambu down and this new uh, project that he's involved with. They, you know, but you learn some things afterwards that it's a little bit they have uh, a, a more secret agenda towards why they want to get Dr. Nambu. But it just turns out to be a crazy ride from start to finish. The same great animation is on here, the same great um character development is in here as well and um it, it really steps up emmy is also a part of this as well because part of the source that they're looking for is emmy in that case she still has the pencil the magic pencil if you will and dr nambu feels that that can be a that mcgovern uh, uh object can be a really great source to helping him do what he does he also has an entirely new science ninja team which looks a lot like if you watch there was a three episode OVA years back that I believe um, director Masami Obari created um, for Gotcha Man. And there was a, another, Galactor had their own science ninja team that looked a lot like the one that Dr. Nambu made in here, in this one. But it was, you know, he has his own team that is said to be way better and he's gonna make sure that what happened to the, you know, original gotcha man team would never happen again and he's not only doing that but he's also trying to make these suits accessible to everybody and that's the that's where a lot of people you know seeing the problem with because he's trying to give this type of power to everybody so they won't be afraid to fight against evil they uh the, and evil threats that they had to do with galactor and he's just gone mad he he's his whole entire you know philosophy and view has totally changed from what he's done in the original series and I'm, all through this time i'm over here thinking okay maybe this is galactor in disguise and he's kidnapped dr nambu or maybe he even killed dr nambu no this is dr nambu the entire time he is like the total threat his evil 70s you know hairstyle and mustache is all there and everything i was blown away by what they did with this um and then i here's the part i won't spoil what happens at the end because it i was not expecting any of this to happen and it's let me tell you this this is not a kid's this is not a kid's series at all this was clearly made for the fans of tatsunoku and there is a it gets really dark and violent at the end i mean really dark and violent and you won't you you won't you will not be prepared for what you're about to see especially if you're a gotcha man fan because it just comes out of the blue it comes out of nowhere um 
it's crazy. I, I, I look. I tell you what. This and the movie combined, and this is why I had to actually do both, because you can't do one without the other, and it's just awesome. This the entire series is awesome. Uh, I gotta go find the actual Udon Entertainment manga and start reading that because maybe there's some other things that I can learn from that one as well. But if you're a fan of any of these characters, any of these comics, any of these animes, if you grew up with this back in the day like I did, like the early days of anime, like I can't say like I if you say if you ask me what was my it was what I when I, what was the first anime that I could, that really made me a fan of anime when the term anime and Japanimation first came around. I would possibly say it was Fist of the North Star because that's when I started recognizing all of these awesome, animated, beautifully drawn, beautifully uh, characterly uh, character designed, you know, um, works of art. But lo and behold, honestly, you know, I got to date it back to Speed Racer. I got to date it back to Star Blazers. I got to date it back to Battle of the Planets. You know, because those were the ones that used to come on every day when I was probably like maybe five or six or seven or eight or whatever like that. It used to come on TV every day. And we grew up with this. So if you're a fan of this, I mean, wow. And then later on, I started seeing the other episodes and the other series and watched it through. And boy, are there differences between the American and the U.S. when I tell you that. But man, I tell you, in the movie too, there was a there's the movie Battle of the Planets, which um it, it kind of just it, it it condenses the entire series into one. But that also has the Japanese version where you see the results of Joe the Condor there as well. So you know, you, you there it's out there. You can find it. You can absolutely find it. But if you're a fan of this series, you need to get this series, and you're gonna be blown away. If you're if you've never seen any of these characters, these awesome characters. I highly recommend, I say, watch the series. If you like that, watch the movie. But then if you like the movie, go find every one of these, um, these TV, these anime series, Tekaman, uh, Kashan, Gachaman, and uh, Hurricane Polymer. Go find them all and really understand why they are being celebrated in this day and age because Infinity Force is a great celebration of this. It's just fantastic and now again if because you waited so long it's now in english it's now in english it has uh, a lot of the best um the best of the best doing it like i said johnny young bush is doing uh voice of ken kyle mccarley is uh joji um manami aka tekaman you got takeshi um euro as hurricane Palaman is played by nicholas roy and you have uh, Kashan played by Landon McDonald. And Emmy plays by Cassandra Morris as well. So, oh, Z is played by Keith uh, Silverstein, da- uh, Damian Gray, Xander Mobus. And uh, Bella Lynn is Julie Ann Taylor. So, you got all these great, uh, you know, actors and performers in here doing this. And it's just, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So, of course, when I'm saying all these great things about it, what other grade can I give this? both the series and the anime but a plus highly recommend you go after this this is a great tribute to a legacy that is tatsunoku like if i could get this if i have this now and it's available i got this on um i got this on the ios for my apple for apple tv so i have it on there 
You can also uh, get it on Blu-ray as well and other digital formats. Or if you want to watch it for free, but you won't get the English version, you'll get the subtitle for those, especially those anime uppity folks. Tubi TV should have it for free. You just will have to go through a lot of ads and all that stuff because it's free. You got to pay ads. And guess what? Unfortunately, they don't have a premium version. It, it, like, it's a totally free app. But I will give I will give them credit. They got some pretty good content on there as well. So uh, go check it out. And Tubi is spelled T-U-B-I. I just want to point that out because I'm sure nobody... It sounds like you would know, but you probably say T-U-B-B-Y. But no, it's T-U-B-I. And they got commercials now uh, out for it. it. They've been out for years and they just now got commercials. So I guess they finally got a budget in this case. But go out of your way, check it out in any way possible that you can. But if you're a, if you're a fan of uh, English dub actors and um, like I am and, you know, and the subs too, I, you, you have both, you know, um, go out of your way to find it. Go ahead. By the way, it's funny. Uh, somebody had a meme recently that said I found it funny for the anime uppity community. The people who think that the um, subs are better than the dubs and they prefer to listen to the English dialect or they, they think they, you know, it's it's a whole thing. There's a meme out there that somebody posted on an ACMG Facebook group that said, hey, uh, you something in terms of, um, you know, you uppity pretentious bastards or something like that. You got to read, you know, if you got to read um, English text during English uh, during uh, Japanese sub then you're also not really, you know, you're not really enjoying the actual content because you still got to read it and uh, read the English translation as well. So something of that nature, but it, it's it's ridiculous. Like love what you love, but don't act like one is better than the other because lo and behold, and I had Tokyo Rose on this show before a friend of mine who goes by that name, who is from Japan, who's from Japan, tell us that it doesn't matter because some of the voices in Japan aren't the best, despite the fact that some Americans think that it's the best. And she prefers some of the American voices over the Japanese voices, her own native uh, land, people. So take it for what you will. But go out of your way, check it out. Infinity Force is available all over the place. The manga is also still in running, I, I, uh, from what I understand. And um, go out of go out of your way, check it out. It's just it's, it's awesome, folks. That will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Thank you all so very much for taking the time to check out this episode. Uh, it is a snowy day. It is a for most of the East Coast is a snowstorm, so be safe out there. Not just for uh, for the snow, but for COVID as well. You know, again. Thank you all. Recently, uh, for those who don't know, who didn't listen to the Select Start episode, I um, want to thank everybody who um, gave their warm well wishes to my sister. Who, um, my, my, he, she's my sister in blood, but we have different mothers, and we got, you know, you know, we're, we have the same father. But her mother recently passed away from COVID, and it is very unfortunate. But this is the situation that we have to deal with. And all I got to say is, people, please be safe and keep everybody else safe and just do what you can to so we could get out of this we're we're getting to the point of getting this all taken care of now that the vaccines and everything going but we still got ways to go so continue to keep looking out for each other have a heart be a hero mask up keep everybody safe so and and because you never know just because you don't know somebody who passed away or you don't know somebody in your family is or died from it or experienced it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter it does we need to start having a heart 
we get, we're starting a whole new chapter of our country and world for that matter and let's change it let's do something let's do something great with it together so folks one of the things that you could do as well is follow this show tell everybody about the show rate this show on whatever platform that you're listening to and you know keep supporting us you can check us out on talktimelive.com where you can find all of our episodes and our exclusive interviews with some of the best and guess what we got more people coming it it's gonna be it's gonna be take some time to come but we got a lineup coming soon it's starting to build um probably somebody very soon this week too um i'm gonna have a, a friend of mine actually maybe coming on uh soon to join me on this show uh co-hosting on the show and talking about what he does and i'll explain that in due time but you know uh you can check us out on talktimelive.com but the exclusives on there you can click on that there's talk timeline exclusives and you can find all of our interviews with some of the best in all of anime comics movies and games um you name it and uh actors from your favorite anime uh game developers of some of your favorite games and iconic games uh producers of some of your favorite tv shows or whatnot and you know just and, and comic book artists as well uh just an awesome amount of people you go to talktimelive.com forward slash exclusive or go to talktimelive.com click on that exclusive uh tab and you will find them all there and also if you want to subscribe and download and never miss a beat you could go to your favorite podcast platforms such as spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast stitcher Podbean, TuneIn, audible pocket cast and pandora i swear i'm gonna lose my breath if i keep adding more to this so you have all the places there's not one place you can't find this show and thank you to the ever-growing amount of listeners on this show i am so humbled by this growth this recent growth of downloads and subscribers and listeners as well so thank you all um don't know what i'm going to be doing next week but damn sure we will be back uh both on select start and on uh the prime show of talk time live as well so stay tuned for that and much more but for now please guys be safe like just seriously be safe out there it's snowing out there you know i guess COVID really screwed it up for kids when it when it comes to school because now they can't just stay home they can do virtual classes sucks to be them i swear uh, on that note, folks, I will let it go from there. So on behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.